Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you for joining us for New Idea Investigates. I'm Marianne Harris. We appreciate your company as we pick up our story with Sharon McKill, whose daughter Emma was brutally murdered in 2005. Her killer remains at large. We warn listeners some material may be distressing. So Emma's body was then found by a bushwalker eight days later in the Mount Crawford Forest. Emma had met with a violent death. Not only was she beaten by a blunt object, but she was then dumped on a remote bush track and set alight. She'd been wearing the same clothes she wore on the last day she was sighted. She was unrecognisable and only later identified by dental records. Sharon, tell us how you heard about Emma's death. Well, um, I was trying to contact her for all those days and I'd been to see my parents the following weekend and I just said to her, um, to my dad, he was going to ring her all day. Monday I said, if you don't any contact, I'm going to report her as a missing person because I was actually getting very, very worried. Yeah. And that particular night, um, I had, we had moved premises of where I worked to another new building and I'd had my first day at the new building and I left work to go home and it was a warm day. It was the 5th of December, yeah. 2005 and I came home and Hannah had finished, she'd come home from high school and Hannah was going to that stage of life, liking to cook a bit and she'd made her and myself a salad and she was just cooking some chicken spitzels on the stove and she said, Mum, sit down, use your study and we just sit down for five minutes, I'm, tea's nearly ready and she gave me a big glass of cold water because she said, oh, you look hot, sit down for a few minutes and then we'll have tea. And uh, I just sat in the lounge and you could see our kitchen and the lounge area were all open space. So she was at the stove. I just sat on the couch for a moment, but she could see the TV as well into the kitchen. And the first, the headline of the news was that um, they'd found a body of a young woman at Mount Crawford. And they actually, they said she, they didn't know who she was. And then they just flashed up some pieces of jewellery that was found on her body. And... Um, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. My heart just sank. I felt physically ill, but I saw a ring that I'd only given her the month before for her birthday, a little silver filigree ring with an amber stone that she picked from this little silver shop that she loved in the city that was near my work where we'd met for lunch and gone for a walk and she found this beautiful little ring and I bought that for her. And her father had sent her a, a bracelet that he got in Mexico when he'd been overseas. Her father lives in Melbourne and he posted it to me to give her for her birthday and mm. that was flashed up as well on a couple of other pieces of jewellery which I recognised as her. So Hannah and I both just could not believe it. We were just felt both physically sick but we mm. recognised the jewellery. So I rang Crime Stoppers saying maybe I'm making a mountain over Melhill but because I was thinking no, no it couldn't be. I just didn't want to believe it mm. and I explained that I hadn't had any contact with her for eight, uh, I've been contact, trying to contact her for eight nine days and the jewellery that was flashed on the screen looked just like jewellery that my daughter owned and 
the lady at Crime Stoppers uh, took my number and I had major crime, a major crime detective rang me straight back. And then after that, when I told them stuff, next minute they're at my home, or not next minute, but they were there within half an hour, and then it all became a bit of a blur. It was just so much happening, but they had photos of more jewellery, and I recognised most of the pieces of jewellery as hers. So, um, yeah, that's how it happened. That's how we found out, just by seeing it on the news, that um, a woman, a body of a young woman had been found, and they did not know who she was, so... It was, um, yeah, quite shocking, actually. They didn't um, let... I, I went... Sorry, I was just going to say... They didn't let you see the body, did they? I asked, uh, but they said for my own protection they preferred that I didn't. And I was a bit... This is a few days later, and I was upset about that. I was said, why can't I see my... And they just said, but see, I... She'd been burned. <laughs> so, mm. of course, um, they didn't want me. And when I read, read the coroner's report, uh, it took a long time to come, but it was about 10 months later and my doctor read it to me, I realised that they were just trying to protect me and I understand that now, but at the time, I want to see her, I want to see her because she's my child. And yeah. But they just said, no, no, we, we can't let you see her. And I felt a bit, yeah, I was a bit stressed about it at the time, but rationally and when things calmed down a bit, I realised they, they were, they were trying, that's what they said, we just want to protect you, you don't need to see her like that. No, and give you the so, opportunity um, to remember her the way you remember her. That's right, that's right, because that wasn't, that isn't her, it's just how she, you know, what happened to her. What did the coroner's report reveal? That she be had 30 blows to her head, um, like they said, with a blunt instrument, they weren't, She'd had a couple of teeth. That's how she was hit so hard that two teeth were broken in her mouth, like they were mm. in her mouth, found two broke. So that's how hard the blows were, <laughs> that they could actually dislodge two teeth. Um, and it was all it was all head and facial injuries. There was not actually any... Um, there was, yeah, she obviously didn't try to defend herself. There was no... Um, yeah, defence wounds or anything like that. They just they have a feeling that she might have turned around and was trying to get away, and she she rendered a, a hit to the back of her head, sort of near her spinal cord, you know, on the neck there. And my doctor did say to me that would have rendered her unconscious straight away. Oh, so that's the only thing I have. I feel. Huh. Hopefully, my doctor did say to me, look, after that first blow, she would have been rendered unconscious, probably in a vegetable state if she'd lived after that first hit. Mm. Uh, but she wouldn't have felt anything else because that did render unconscious that first hit, that blow to the back of her head. Still feels like a dream sometimes because that happened to someone. I mean, it happens to people, you know, but it's, but it's your own child. It's like, I can't believe somebody could do that to another human being. Mm. You know, it's just hard to to accept that people can do that to each other. So, um, it must be difficult when you look back at photos and, and you see a smiling Emma in the photo and, and you know, your mind goes to, to how her life came to an end. That must be quite quite daunting, what you must be experiencing. You must... Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it, like I say, it becomes a bit surreal. Mm. Um, and I... Yeah, so I just think... And that's all I've always wished that she didn't didn't know what was happening to her and I've, you know, I, the doctors have guaranteed, you know, she wouldn't have. She so, wouldn't have known. And, and I think the coroner said that in the report that she would have been rendered unconscious and straight away mm. from that, the, 
yeah, just certain positions that you get hit, uh, especially there on the back of your neck at the top of your spinal cord. That's yeah, yeah can be. So um, yeah, how did, it is. How did you farewell her? Um, we had a very large funeral, which um, oh, there were hundreds of people there. But again, for me, it's a bit of a blur. I. A guy that I used to work with in a radio station, an announcer actually, he had started his own business of video ta- um, filming funerals and weddings and things like that. That was his, and I remember the funeral people asking me, Would I like to have it filmed? And I said no at the time. But then my mother said, Please have it filmed, just, you know, we'll pay for it. It wasn't so much the money, but I just couldn't think about it. And it was all just something else. But in mm. the end, I decided to have it filmed. And then when I um, arrived at the church, we was in a big auditorium at the back of the church because um, it held lots of people and I, I realised that lots of people were coming because I'd had so, so many people who had been contacting me. And um, Mark, oh sorry, this particular guy that I used to work with, he just sort of um, came up to me and I said, oh, thank you for coming. He said, well, Sharon, I'm actually filming it for you. I didn't know that's what he was doing at the time. Mm. So he actually made a really beautiful DVD of the funeral with pictures of Emma, beautiful music that we used over it. So I'm really glad that I've got that now because um, I just, the day of the funeral was a bit of a blur. So it's really nice to have something to remember her by. Um, I went sort of out, I wanted a white coffin for her and I just wanted to do everything lovely because, you know, she was never going to have a wedding or celebrations or anniversaries or any more birthdays. And it was just like I sort of wanted to make her goodbye a little bit more just special for her. <laughs> so, I mean, I know you do. we do it for yeah. everybody else and ourselves, but it's yeah. just trying to have a, you know, and yeah. so many people came out of the woodwork, old friends, new friends, friends of Emma's, just it was... But like I say, there were just so many people there, it was very hard for me to remember who was there. So looking looking at it a few months later, and I actually look, looked at it again recently. I hadn't looked at it for a few years of funeral because it is hard. Yeah, but if I'm, when I'm in the right frame of mind, I can watch it again. So I did watch it oh, a couple months ago, I think around Christmas time, I watched it again. So, yeah, so that's how we said goodbye to her. Um, and then... Uh, we had another little private ceremony at the funeral place the next day as well for a couple of people um, who couldn't make it because of media. It's hard to explain. I won't go into that, but mm. we I just had another little private thing with them. So, um, yeah, so we had two days that we sort of said goodbye to her and, um, yeah, uh, seeing a coffin at the funeral directors the next day in a little chapel with all the all the um, rose petals all over it. It was really quite nice. So I was able to say goodbye to her again in private, which yeah. is about half a dozen people there instead of hundreds of people. Yeah, oh, I understand. Despite recovering some items, there wasn't enough physical evidence or DNA to track down the killer, and police believe Emmett was murdered elsewhere before being left in the forest. It's highly likely the killer had help in disposing of Emma's body do you, is that still the the, um, the thought, Sharon? Yes, that is the thought. Yeah, she definitely wasn't murdered at um, Mount Crawford. They did extensive, um, you know, they had police officers on horses and dogs and doing the whole area. 
And, yeah, there was no forensic evidence found, so they believe, yeah, she was murdered somewhere else and just her body was disposed up there. And, yeah, she was taken in there. But they believe uh, a red Ford Telstar car was involved in taking her to the forest. Yes, that that Ford Telstar has been examined before, but plan police are still keen to talk to those connected with it, aren't they, in the weeks leading up to Emma's death? That's right. Um, because... Um, the suspect was seen driving that particular car. It wasn't his car, but he borrowed it because his car had broken down. And, um, yeah, so... Um, so the theory that two may have been involved, is that because the the body was located a distance from the track to where cars can park, or...? Yeah, the car... Yeah, I've been up to the forest a few times. Yeah, there's, like, a gate. It's a fire track, and it's quite... It gets quite steep at the end. But you can't drive a car um, up there because, um, well, you can if the park ranger comes and takes the chain off and opens the gate because TV, um, TV channels have been up there and filmed. Yeah. But we've had to have the park ranger come and physically open, take the chains off the gate to let you go. So they, that wouldn't have been happening that night. We think she was disposed in the dark and it's pretty dark up there. It's black. And so uh, the car would have been left at the bottom of the gate and then her body carried. And the reason they believe two people would have carried her body because it was too steep for one person to carry. She was found about 400 metres up the hill. So even though she wasn't, she was only very, she was only 48 kilos at the time, for one person to take her all that way would be difficult mm. without dragging her. And there were no drag maps because that's what they were looking for. Yeah. as well and there was nothing like that found so um it did rain um i think before she was disposed up there and rained after so but yeah they did some extensive uh testing up there and believed that she was carried up that hill and yeah just believed that it would be probably be two people taking it there rather than one what have the last couple of years shown in the investigation sharon has it been a roller coaster for you in terms of, at one point, getting perhaps excited that there might be a breakthrough and then another well, disappointment I've, when there had, isn't? I mean, um, Major Crime has um, released the cold case reviews and things, but there's quite a lot of cold cases in South Australia. They did release the, a reward for Emma. That was a few years ago now. We will take any pieces of information. Look, one piece could certainly break a whole investigation wide open. Likewise, many pieces of little information would certainly do the same, but we would request any member of the public who has any information in relation to the Pawlski matter or any other murders that are unsolved to contact Crime Stoppers. Aside from the suspect or suspects, do you believe other people have information that could crack the case? Look, that's certainly a possibility. That's certainly a possibility. I suspect with many murders, you'll have the offender and you'll have people on the outer who have some knowledge at varying levels. And it's those people we would always ask and request to contact, you know, Crime Stoppers. So we can assess the information, investigate the information, act on that information. You're always hopeful and you never give up hope. We can never give up hope. You know, it's our job to investigate every matter as thoroughly as we can. We, we, we owe it to the family, we owe it to the public. And that's what we must do, you know, and we will never give up. If, and that's why we need public assistance we need the government assistance, as they have done with the reward, and we need the media assistance to get the message out there. If you've got any information for, for Pawelski or any other unsolved murders, 
come forward, let us know, so police can do what police need to do. Up to now, they're still waiting on um, that call that would break the case open, somebody remembering something or knowing something. Mm. That, and like they say, you know, alliance, allegiances change with people over time, but um, it's just... I know they had a phone call about two or three years ago and they've been asking for that person to ring again when they do a, do a bit of media um, coverage. What did that, that person, person call in with? Did that person call in with some information relevant to the case? Oh, some relevant information, but they needed to talk to that person again and, and get some more and maybe go and talk to them, but they never rang back. Mm. So they do appeal to that person now and again if there's any media coverage. But I haven't had any media coverage on in this case now, actually, for a couple of years, only because there's so many other cold cases. And they, they just, you know, they have to give everybody a turn, So mm. yeah, which is fair. Um, there is a TV screen down at the Adelaide Railway Station with all the cold cases, all the photos of people who are cold cases in South Australia, and um, they rotate them every couple of weeks, and they'll do, you know, maybe a group of 10 women, and their photo comes up sort of every few minutes with the details of their case, mm-hmm. and then it goes to the next person, so that still happens. Uh, um, I see, I hear people people tell me, oh, I saw Emma's photo today when I was going walking through the station or something, so uh, the police you know, South Australia, uh, SAPOL have really tried to really um, give a lot of the cold cases, you know, coverage over the last two or three years. What would you say, Sharon, to a person out there who did have some information they felt was relevant to the case but are too scared to come forward? I mean, I can plead as her mother that we need those answers and ask them to think about their just their conscience and how happy they would make our family, not well, actually happy is the wrong word, relieved that it's so hard to just, because I've over the years I've had all these different scenarios in my head and it would just be so nice to know what the answer is and what the truth is and what actually happened. And I know that um, if someone came forward it would be all very, very confidential. I mean, it would be between them and a detective, but I'd really urge them for their own sake as well, just to come forward and 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 give that information to help our family have some peace at last and let Emma rest in peace. And is that what um, peace will mean? Is that what peace will mean to you and your family to to know well, why? Well, it's not going to. Yeah, it's not going to bring her back, but it would mean that if they had some relevant information, that then in turn maybe someone was brought to justice. It would feel like you know that her death hasn't been in vain and that she didn't have to go through that horrific death and just it's just someone's got away with it because what worries me with people who do this sort of thing they could do it to someone else and it's just um yeah they're out there having a free life but they've caused so much devastation to so many people that loved them and not just our family it's a ripple effect with all her friends and mm. and people that loved her as well and it's the right thing to do it really is if people have a conscience and they it is the right thing to do yeah and i know you recently lost your mum was it disappointing yeah. that you couldn't have helped your mum oh definitely yeah know that there was a resolution of some kind to emma's case did that did that upset your mum i think mum mum was mum, my mum was a very spiritual person so for her she felt like she was going to be with emma but i mean 
she would have liked to have known the answer. I suppose why it happened, what led up to it, why did this have to happen? But mum, I think, let it go um, before she passed away because she felt, she said to me, I'm seeing Emma, Emma sitting on the end of my bed and I, I just feel that she's really close and she was, she had, um, she, yeah, she let herself go and I think she believed and she felt that she was going to be with Emma and it gave me some comfort that I think, well, my mum's now with, with Em, you know, mm, um, mm. that virtually, hopefully she's, they're in each, you know, they're hugging each other. I mean, it's just a nice thought that we, we give ourselves and... It gives um, you peace. Yeah, that's right. You- oh, look, it's nice to t- talk about Emma because we start with you doing this. It feels like she's not forgotten. Yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not. I mean, she's never going to be forgotten by people who love her. But um, it's it's a difficult one having a cold case. It's just um, it's it's never ending because you just hold on to a hope, and it's just always there. Um, I mean, I. Not imagine what it's like to have someone missing and not know as well. At least we did get Emma's body back and we were able to give her her farewell. And I, I know that, that she did die, and what, I know some of what happened. I don't know at all, and I don't know why, but at least I know that she's she was found, and I'm grateful for that mm. because where they did dispose of her body, she might never been found. It was just um, someone running through the forest. With his dog that particular day, um, and he didn't normally go that route. He said he was just doing it for a change, so maybe she was meant to be found. Well, you're still left with the, the why and the who, but I, I do understand what you're saying. How you know at least you know where she she is. Whereas That's those, right. yeah, those families with missing people don't know where they are. But then one is not better than the other, though, is it, Sharon? Oh. No, no, I don't think you feel any different emotionally in how you feel for that person, but, um, yeah, <laughs> it's just I feel I really empathise with those families that have not ever found their loved ones' bodies, and that's just terrific for them as well. And we empathise with yours. How are you and Hannah going these days? I suppose it's up and down. Or... It's up and down. Yeah, I have good days, and I have days where I feel a bit flat about it all, and I, um, like I say, occasionally I... A song will just come. I'll be walking through the supermarket and there's music playing, and the song will come, like the song by James Blunt, "You're Beautiful." She loved that song, and it just came out not long before she died. And I played it at a funeral, but for some reason, when I hear it, it just brings me to tears. Mm. And um, she loved Sarah McLaughlin, and we did play that song in the arms of an angel at a funeral. And I suppose that's a, a lot of people play that song at funerals because it is so emotional. Yeah. So I find, I yeah, just things trigger things and seeing people that she knows, friends from her past when they catch up with me, I think oh, this could be all of us sitting here having a cup of coffee or doing something together, but you know, at least her friends uh, who loved her stayed in contact with me and yeah, that's uh, you know, lovely. I catch up with them now and again, so that brings happy memories of Emma because I'm you've just got to try and keep all the good memories, the happy times alive because yeah. what happened to her wasn't her life, that was just the very ending of her life, but all before that, she had a history and lots of good things happened and, you know, lots of good memories. And she was a good person. She was. She loved animals. She was, yeah, she just was very kind to people, took people in when they needed to be helped and took a lot of stray captain over her life. I mean, yeah. I was always helping her and then we'd just take them to animal welfare when she'd get them sort of 
healthy again so that they could try and find a home for them and things like that. So she was very um, into just animals and helping friends and things like that. And what about this Facebook page? Let's end it with uh, a Facebook page that you guys have going for Emma. Yeah, uh, Hannah created that uh, a few years ago, which is, we just put memories on there and any bits of media that might happen. Um, friends, there is a couple of girls, friends of Emma's that live in the state, but they'll post something now and again, like a little poem or something when it's her birthday or something. But it's called, uh, Please Help Solve the Murder of Emma Jade. Kowalski, 2005. Uh, so it's fairly easy to find. Uh, I'm, I know people said they just started writing in Please Help Solve the Murder of em- and Emma and then it all comes, it comes straight up. It's a public page, so anyone can look at it on Facebook. That's great. Well, we do hope that you get some more, some more followers there and we do really hope that you get a resolution, Sharon, for, for you and your, for your family and, and for Emma. And we thank you very, very much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for your company throughout this podcast. And don't forget, you can subscribe to New Idea Investigates so you never miss an episode. If you have any information, meanwhile, at all, that can help police solve this particular crime, please call Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000. There is a reward of $200,000 for information that leads to an arrest. And remember, you can remain anonymous. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.